Welcome to another episode of the Truths We Hide podcast. Uh, today's guest is Kip Brooks. He reached out to me actually wanting to share a story and you, you guys know me. I, um, I'm very blessed to be able to be in the space to share people's stories and this one really hit close to home so I'm really honored to have him on here today as a guest. He is the founder of Brooks Empowerment Academy, and I'm going to have him tell you all about it. So thank you so much, Kip, for being on here today. Tell us everything. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Um, yeah, I love the show, by the way. I've checked out, uh, since we first connected, I've checked out uh, several of your episodes. And uh, yeah, I was like, wow, I have uh, <laughs> really got to shake some nerves off to be able to step in the, uh, after coming in, you know, oh, some no, media, especially uh, like Marshall's, uh, uh, Marshall's episode here recently too. I was like, wow, awesome. It's like, I love what you're doing. So it's fantastic. Thank you um, so much. Yeah. Um, as far as me, just, uh, kind of in a nutshell, I was, um, like any kid started out all bubbly and happy and curious. Um, but, um, the environment I was in just wasn't uh, set up for a child, especially like me, to uh, to really flourish. And like most kids, took everything personal, and uh, it was just a toxic environment. And by the time I was eight years old, I remember, you know, I was taught to pray every night, you know, like everybody else, like now I lay me down to sleep and all that. And around the time I was eight years old, that I would still do my prayers because I want to be a good boy, but it had changed. And the prayers had changed to like, please don't let me wake up. I, I want it out of here. Like I didn't know at that age, I was still so young and innocent. Um, I didn't know like suicide existed. I didn't know anything about it. You know, I didn't know uh, that was an option. I had lost family members, but you know, to other causes, nothing like that. So I didn't, the idea luckily had never clicked, which is great because there was, plenty of things around my household that I could have actually done that with and parents were never around. They were always at work. So it could have happened. But, um, I said, yeah, luckily I was too young. And, um, uh, and by the time I became older, I had a sister who was born around, um, when I was about seven, eight years old. And I just, I adored her. We had this instant connection. You know, I was always the one could get, who could get her to stop crying and all that. So by the time I realized um, the guy actually had a grandfather who killed himself um, when I was around 10 or so. So by the time that happened, I had an idea that that uh, uh, was an option um, and actually knew how to do it. Then um, I was like, I have to stay here to be a shield for her. I was like, I can't allow her to experience what I experienced. And I really believed that if I wasn't here, then everything that I was dealing with was going to get dumped on her. And which wasn't right because it was all on how I was perceiving everything. But luckily that's how I perceive that being is because it kept me here. Cause I literally protecting her from it. Um, this innocent little infant slash going into toddler. Um, that's the only reason I could come up with at that point that I had any kind of worthiness. And you know, that, that just way of thinking about myself and um, about the world stayed with me through teenage years and um when i was 14 i hit a, a low point and was finally like i've had enough i can't do it it um actually held a gun to my head 
was pulling the trigger and then something inside snapped and I just got really angry about the situation. And um, I just, I knew me feeling that way wasn't right. I was like, no kid should feel this way. I was like, nobody should really feel this way. But I was really upset that I was a kid. I was asking for help and I wasn't getting help in response. Um, like uh, around my house, it was just, you know, you just didn't speak of it. And one time I'd spoken up to a counselor at school. He got back to my family and I got in trouble for that. So I learned to keep everything inside. And, you know, I was raised by my dad. Uh, well, he died when I was 15. But up until he did, he and all his drinking buddies that would be around were always telling me, you know, the idea of what a real man is. And it would be things like, you keep it to yourself. You know, you, you be tough. You suck it up. You know, emotions are for girls. Crying is for girls. You, know, you want to be a little sissy. You know, all that typical stuff that men are raised with or tend to be in our culture. And... So uh, the one time I did share with, uh, with someone, um, I got in trouble for it, I got in a lot of trouble for it. And so I learned, okay, pack everything in. And um, so at this time, you know, sitting there and uh, pulling the trigger, that just, I was like, something's not right. That's not how the world's supposed to be. Got very angry and I was like, I, I don't know if there is any better life out there for me than this. But if I find it, I promise, you know, like made this oath to the universe and myself. I was like, if I ever figure out a way out of this, you know, darkness I was living in, I was like, I'm going to shine a light for everybody else coming behind me, you know, anyone. And I wish I could say the next day I woke up and it was like, you know, the, uh, the epiphany that Scrooge had, Ebenezer Scrooge had the next day and like flowers and sunshine and butterflies everywhere and slinging money into the streets, you know, but, <laughs> uh, but still I had all that baggage I'd been uh, dealing with and I was still, you know, quite young and, and didn't know what to do, didn't know how to have anything, you know, still believed that we were a product of our environment and all that, didn't understand the power I actually had. Um, and so I still struggled with it. And, um, uh, all the way through uh, school. And then again, I was going to, uh, I had planned, a mom came to me once um, and asked me to intentionally repeat 12th grade so she could continue to get social security money for my, uh, for my dad passing away. Because I was supposed to graduate at 17, just because of the way my birthday uh, you know, fell into the part way through the school year. So she's like, if you, because of your age, you can repeat and I can get an additional year of social security. Now, uh, that did a huge hit to what little self-esteem I had left, but also at the same time, just that desire to be accepted and loved and feel valuable. I did it. Um, and, uh, not say I was like acing school at that point. Anyway, I was so withdrawn. Uh, I was actually planning, I, I was planning on just not even dropping out just stop going. Um, but anyway, um, uh, she did that. So I made sure I made it through. I actually had to fight with the school principal to allow me to repeat. He wanted me to go to summer school. He didn't want me back. He hated me. Um, and so continued that year. And then my plan was, I was like, okay, when this year's over on this date, you know, like June 6th, when school's over, the check stops and I'm no longer worthwhile, you know? And, uh, and that was my mind. And I was like, at least my sister's old enough. She's strong enough. She'll be okay. And, that was the plan. And then uh, this brand new teacher, he was, it was his second year 
um, came to me. I only needed half a credit and from his class for the second semester to, uh, to graduate. And he, uh, it's about three, year, three weeks, I think, into the uh, second semester. And he comes up to me and he's like, I need you to stay after class. We need to have a conversation. And of course, all the kids are like, ooh, you know, <laughs> all this. And, uh, and I was just like, okay, here we go again. You know, another teacher gonna tell me what a useless, you know, worthless, uh, you know, person I am. Um, and he did, uh, in psychology, we call it a pattern interrupt. And I had no idea what it was then, but um, he impacted my life huge and with the simplest little gesture, really. And so everybody leaves, and I'm sitting at my desk, and I'm just looking straight down. And I was like, just go ahead, you know, tell me whatever, so I can get out of here. And because um, um, I had to show up for school enough, otherwise they would completely expel me. So, you know, I was following the guidelines so I could uh, at least get my mom that money. And, uh, uh, but I was not engaged at all. And he, so he comes up and he just drops some papers on my desk in front of me. And he's like, I don't know what you got going on inside right now. I don't know what you have going on in home or what you have going on outside this classroom. He's like, actually, I know nothing about you. He's, but what I do know, and he slaps the papers on the desk, and I hadn't looked at him up to that point. He's like, what I do know is this is not who you are. And he's like, I will not allow you to accept this behavior from yourself anymore. I'm not going to accept it from you. You're not either. You're better than this. And I, that was, I don't know that I've ever been that uncomfortable in my life <laughs> as I was right there because, um, and he didn't say anything else after that except for you can leave whenever you want. And he's like, that's all I got to say for right now. And I darted out the door. I was so nervous, so uncomfortable. Because uh, like I say, all these teachers had just seen my transcripts instead of looking. Because I had gone from honor roll uh, in sixth grade to D's and F's in seventh grade. Just like a switch. And no one ever questioned that. Instead, I was just punished. And so that added to my you know, self-esteem issues. And, um, and for once, finally, there's this guy telling me in just a couple of months before like the day I was planning on ending my life and that was the only goal I'd ever set for myself and he went out of his way he went above and beyond the rest of the school year to make sure uh the environment was there for me to graduate like he still made me earn it um he was harsh I mean, like not harsh but he was uh he was very disciplined about how he approached it but uh, but he understood that there's something going on that cannot be seen from the outside or through grades or anything else. And, um, and what it did was just create a pattern interrupt and then planted a seed. Before I knew it, the, the day I'd been planning for a couple of years at that point to uh, end my life, I'd been waiting for it, visualizing it, I had it marked on the calendar, literally like marked out on the calendar. Um, it came and passed and it never even actually entered my mind. And it was years later before I realized, wait a minute, I'm not supposed to actually be here right now. It's like, what happened? And I, it took me a while after having that realization, it still took me another couple of years before I actually figured out, oh my God, that conversation had that big of an impact. And so then it just, it woke me up and I realized, it's like, wow, we don't have to, like to change somebody's world, we don't have to change the entire world. It's not this big, just, you know, ginormous esoteric uh, happening that, uh, you know, only the few elitists in the world can pull off. 
Um, you know, we don't have to be a Gandhi. We don't have to be a Nelson Mandela. It's like we can be that in our own form. It's like just by a simple 30-second statement, this guy completely shifted the, uh, the path of my life, you know, and now I have three amazing kids. I have a wife I just I've been crazy about. I adore, and every day I get to do what I love and help other people and fulfill that, that oath that I made, you know, when I was 14, all because a man, Coach Calderon, came up and made a statement to me. And I, uh, when I had that realization of how impactful that was, I tracked him down, I spent a couple of days trying to track him down, sending this huge email, just like, I know you have no idea who I am. <laughs> you don't remember anything about me, I'm sure. I was like, but, boom, here's the impact you had. And um, uh, yeah, I, I think about it so many times. And every time I have like a really cool testimonial come from a client or whatever, I'm, uh, wow, this, this came from that conversation that little bitty conversation and just show me how much impact we can actually have in just a few words, just an embrace, you know, just, it's not that challenging to do this thing we call life in a beautiful way to help others. You know? That's amazing. <laughs> I, oh my gosh, I'm just, I, I'm sitting here listening to all this and I'm resonating so much. And I even, I have a son who's 17 and he, you know, he, the first time we saw him battling depression was when he was 13 and um it was hard it was hard to see especially because I was going through my own stuff and I was mad at myself because I didn't see the signs and then later on we moved to Virginia and he has a coach who I think changed his world because it took somebody to actually peel back the layers and take the time to say whatever he said to my son to make him change his way of thinking. And I think it's just amazing that one person can change everything. It doesn't matter what your parents say. It doesn't matter what your friends say, but that one person, a teacher who took the time to say, you're better than this. And I don't want to see you do this to yourself anymore. And that's huge. So I, yeah. Yeah, it's, oh man. It's so uh, beautiful, especially like so the um the mindset I had at the time and the rejection I had, the uh, wall I had of distrust towards teachers. Um and he was still able to get in and plant that seed that he did. And uh um because like I say the one time I had trusted a teacher or and it wasn't a teacher, it was a counselor. Um but the one time it did, it got back and I got so much trouble for it. And so it just, it's like, don't trust anyone of authority at all. They're not here to help. You know, I was believed it. And so, uh, you know, a lot of, uh, obviously because of my past, uh, uh, you know, youth empowerment is very near and dear to me. So I do, um, I speak at schools, some in youth organizations and things. And one of the things that I um, love doing as well with schools is getting teachers to connect back to that. And, um, and some of them never even really realize it, but it's, um, you have so much more power than you realize and influence. It's like out of everybody in the school, I was probably one that hated school and teachers the most at that point. Um, because as, when I was younger, school was kind of a safe haven for me to go to, but then different things transpired. Um, where I felt betrayed by teachers um, because I would get in trouble for something that wasn't me. And 
the reason my high school principal hated me is there was a kid two grades ahead of me with the same exact name. And he was always in fights, always in trouble, but I would get called to the office for him and then argue with the principal that it wasn't me. <laughs> and, uh, but finally it took him two years to finally get used to it. But then, um, uh, I was, my face was planted in his mind as a negative response. So like now I understand that with, you know, studying psychology and things like I get it and I've been able to forgive it, but man, it made my life even worse. Cause like I can't even go here now. It's like, so constantly I was in this like just insecure, unsafe feeling. Um, and it created all sorts of paranoia issues that I had to deal with as I, uh, as I grew up to the point where I would like hallucinate and think somebody was watching me all the time. And it, it was just like, I could never sleep. It was just terrible. And um, and then the, my plan was after graduation at one point, like the one time I actually started thinking about the possibility of, um, having a different life is I was like, the only hope I have is, uh, the military, you know, the kids I hung out with either you're going to make it as a rap star, rock star, or an athlete. And it's like, well, I'm not going to be any, dunking any basketballs anytime soon. I'm, you know, it's like everybody in the NBA has a foot over me. It's like, I'm not much bigger than Muggsy Bugs, but it's like, I don't have his skills. So I'm not there. I was like, the only hope I felt I had was the military. And it, um, my brother had been in the Marine Corps and several friends went in the military. And, uh, and I saw like the, the response that my parents gave my brother whenever he graduated, he was four and a half years older than me. And, um, I saw the respect and all these other people. I said, well, maybe I can get it that way. And then, uh, but whenever I had that flunk 12th grade, that dream was kind of taken. But uh, because then I had had, um, I'd had vision problems when I was uh, around 13. Um, They started popping up uh, 12 to 13. I had tunnel vision and nobody could figure out why. Like constant physical tunnel vision had no peripheral but my vision was actually fine. They would run me through all these tests, MRIs, and they couldn't figure it out. And um, uh, I figured it out years later. It was all because of the stress. That was it. Once I started getting out of the environment, getting in a more positive environment, like I got used to having the uh, peripheral vision. And then in my late twenties, on someone that just started coming back. And uh, as I started learning these different uh, techniques and you know uh, things that I work with clients on now, and so it was beautiful. It showed me like how much power our mental and emotional state actually has over our physical health. But, um, yeah, I was all set up to go to the military. I'd actually started go- going through the steps and I was like, maybe I can get out and you know, maybe that'll give me a new life. And then my mom had, you know, asked me about, um, repeating 12th grade. And when I did that, um, it delayed the process and they had to, um, or, you know, they went, deeper into my records and I was going back through the, uh, the process again. And, uh, and of course, you know, they were looking at it and they were scrutinizing a little bit more cause they're like, why'd you feel like you're lazy? Like, why would we want, you know, it was like, um, it was a different recruiter. He was, he was drilling me, but all in a loving leadership type way, uh, the way he needed to. But, um, when they dug a little deeper, they found this, uh, these medical records from when I was 13 and they're like undiagnosable issue. And one of the, the main thing they thought it was at the time was, uh, was a brain tumor. And that's why I was getting the CAT scans and MRIs and everything. And he's like, I can't let you in. He's like, if they would have diagnosed it and we knew what we were dealing with, uh, depending on what it was, we could have worked with it. He said, but the fact that they couldn't figure it out, he's like, I can't do anything. We, you're too much of a liability. He's like, if you'd already been signed up, 
if you would have been stepping on the bus, <laughs> you know, you would have been ours. Is it not anymore? And I got rejected again. And um, so that hit, but again, luckily, like I said, Coach Calderon gave me that uh, pattern interrupt and it just, because uh, still to this day, when I when I talk to friends who've been in the military or, you know, uh, see movies or whatever, I still get like, there's some emotion there. Like, oh, that was supposed to be me. Like, watch something about the Navy SEALs. It's like, oh, that was going to be me because I was like, I've got to up, one up my brother to show my parents that I'm, you know, I'm worthy because he was always kind of favored. Um, and, uh, you know, being the oldest and only child for so many years, it was, you know, a different strategy for him than me. And uh, anyway, um, I guess uh, as I, uh, when my vision came back though, um, I mean, talk about it. It was literally an eye-opening experience for me. It's like, you know, people talk about it like this uh, metaphor, and it was definitely that, but also it's like, wow, I could actually see. So then I started having to deal with the fact, like, all of a sudden I became jumpy again because now I could see things over here I couldn't see before, you know. It's like, um, again, so used to just this being all dark and nothing there. Um, But, uh and then that really set me on the course to understand, like find out more about um, human behavior and, and epigenetics and you know, the, the power of our thinking and our emotional state. Um, and then as I started bringing kids into this world, it was like, okay, I really want to find out because I don't want to raise them with the negative mindset and programming that's buried deep down in. And, and, uh, and that set the course for, uh, for my life. Oh my gosh. I have so many things going on in my head right now. How, <laughs> how, so now with your children, how do you discuss this whole topic? Have you shared with them your story from what, starting at eight years old? Have you, cause you've, for you to even make the conscious decision to not end your life to protect your sister that's huge at that age i just that i i have no words that's that's a huge thing and so now with your own children how do you how do you talk about a topic like this how do you what do you say because now this the world now is so much different of course than when we were raised because you know we didn't talk about it you couldn't talk about it but now it's almost they don't feel safe to talk about it, but we're here now to be able to say, I know how you feel. Uh, you could talk about it with me and we, we become more open. So how do you do that? And I am um, one thing. I, uh, uh, if I ever showed up with any kind of genius at all, when it came to parenting, um, cause I've, I've made self screwed up with them so many times, <laughs> almost on a daily basis. Still, but, <laughs> yeah, right. That's a, uh, like there is people like, Oh, this stuff doesn't come with a manual. It's like, yeah, you can't write one for this. No. It's like, there's no way. And, um, uh, I've started a parenting book a few times, but then also the very next day, there'll be something with the kids. I'm like, okay, maybe I should throw that. <laughs> yeah, I don't but uh, it's like one day it'll come. But, um, uh, yeah, the, the best thing I ever did with, uh, with any of them was, um, I, uh, and I don't know I'm, must've hit my head or something. Cause there's been times I regretted saying this, of course, but, uh, and parents will totally understand. But, um, uh, I gave them permission from day one. Uh, the, as soon as I kn- you know, knew they could understand what I was saying, 
Um, I was like, you're always allowed to ask me why. I was like, if I tell you to do anything, you have full permission. I don't care what's going on. I was like, you ask why. And if I can't give you a better reason than because I say so or something like that, you have my permission. You don't have to do it. I was like, and you can remind me of this. And because it was holding me accountable, because I was, you know, as I thought about parenting, I read parenting books and everything when um, I found out you know, my first child was going to be born. And I kept realizing, and there's actually a book uh, that I think was entitled Because I Said So. And uh, it's by um, Ken somebody, I can't remember his last name, but he was the all-time biggest winner on Jeopardy. And um, uh, I was reading it and it's, you know, it's a pretty good book. It's comical. And he just talks about how different things we say and do get handed down to us when we're a kid and we don't even question it when we become adults. And so reading that just kind of sparked in me more of that. I was like, wow, how many things am I saying and doing um, that I have no idea about? And it's like, I don't want to. And then as, as kids came in, I was like, I really don't want to raise them off the same programming I was raised with because I know where that got me. And I don't want that from mine. Uh, the day my oldest turned eight, I, I had a lot of emotion I had to deal with, a lot of anxiety, um, because I was like, wow, I remember what I felt like at that age. Luckily, he was completely on the other end of the spectrum, um, but, uh, which was very calming for me. But there was, when I woke up on his eighth birthday, I was like, whoo, whoo. <laughs> you know, I had to go uh, do some work on myself and you know, just to relax and get out of that energy and, um, and just have faith that it was going to be all right. But um anyway yeah it it was that you know always um and they still don't talk as much as i want definitely my oldest he keeps a lot to himself there's a lot of similarities between he and i um that i was at that age but like i say his emotional strength and mental state is so much better than mine um he's the most perseverant uh headstrong kid i've ever met um and when he sets his mind to any goal, but, um, yeah, it was holding that open or keeping that space. I'm like, at any point you're allowed to at, uh, and I even, um, with Jaden, my oldest, I actually even wrote it down, like gave him a note. I was like, you keep this with you. And if I, I was like, even if I'm angry <laughs> and you say it, you ask why, um, I was like, and I can't give you a reason. And I get mad about you asking, I was like, you hand me this note to remind me. It, um, and I said, but I said, I did say, you know, there will be times that um, I don't have the time to explain right in that moment. I'm going to need you to trust me. But in those times, I will tell you that. And as soon as things calm down, you know, an hour later or a day later, I was like, we will have that conversation um, and I'll explain it to you. And, um, and I just, I held myself accountable for that. Um, it's like I say, I knew that I was not ready to be a parent yeah. at uh and that the programming and uh, modeling I had set up for parenting, especially being a dad, I was like, I do not want to be that. So, um, and when I work with clients on like goal setting, so many of us don't know what we want. You know, it, it's really sad. Uh, you ask somebody, well, what do you want in life? You know, what are you aiming for? no idea you know it's like everybody says the you know the cookie cutter sprint you know the house the 2.3 kids or whatever it is and <laughs> the picket fence and all that it's been passed down since you know uh, television or beyond and um um it's but when you get to know what do you actually want not what everybody told you you're supposed to want and we don't know 
So um, what I did then is like, I don't know how to be a parent. I don't, I know I want to be a good one, but I don't really know what that looks like. But I was like, I do know what I don't want to be. And uh, I was like, so I have a model for that. And I was like, I looked there. I was like, okay, what's the opposite of this? Turn around. <laughs> it's like, okay, that at least kind of gets me in the direction. <laughs> you know? And I was like, I'll adjust course then. And then I said, just started studying some parenting books and looking for people I respected in that uh, aspect. And um, and uh, I've ran across somewhere, I think it was uh, Zig Ziglar or um, Brian Tracy or Jim Rohn, one of those guys, um, one of the early they were, uh, personal development people. And they they had told a story about um, you know the Kennedy family and how so many of the Kennedy kids grew up to be these you know awesome people, very successful, very happy, very um, just you know all around, seeing healthy people, mentally, physically, you know, all the way around. And they were talking about it, and they all said basically the same thing. They're like at dinner every night. Um, our parents basically had a spotlight, and it's um, each one of you get your opportunity to speak, talk about whatever you want to talk about, and the rest of the family is going to hear you out. You can talk for a minute, you can talk for 10 if you need it, but you just, you say your piece. And every conversation, there was no, like, this is an adult conversation, you guys just sit there and shut up. It was, uh, it was that open floor. It's like, you're all valuable here. You all have something to add. You all deserve to be heard. And uh, he's like, and whenever we needed to express something, we were allowed to. Well, okay, I'm going to stick with that. <laughs> because, you know, <laughs> The Kennedy bloodline seems to be doing better than the Brooks bloodline that I've never been around. So I was able to put my ego aside and, and kind of hold that um, intention. And like I said, I mean, I, I screwed up. I made mistakes. I, you know, there were times that because I said so, or that I wish, man, I'd love to go back to that time where I gave him that permission and slap myself. But, um, but I have seen, and it has been, you know, there's been a lot more beauty of it than there has been frustration on my end as a parent. Um, and uh, yeah, I've seen them like they're totally fine with uh, expressing exactly who they are, you know, from how they, they behave, like they don't get wrapped up in the peer pressure at school. We constantly get uh, responses from the teachers and the uh, principal at their school. Of, like, it doesn't matter what's going on in class, who's acting up, if everybody's acting up, then like, Jaden is just sitting there strong and just shaking it off and if anything he's just kind of annoyed that he's being interrupted from whatever he's focusing on <laughs> and it's like he never gets pulled into stuff and uh it's like um it's so it's yeah showing me it's like okay they're they're staying true to the voice they hear inside it's like that's if, awesome. if that's the only thing i do right as a parent it's like I, I can be good with that um because they're doing better than i was and you know they'll continue to do better with you know going forward and any generation behind them hopefully so that's amazing well you're doing something right so <laughs> we all there had to be one thing the odds were there <laughs> <laughs> that's hard this parenting there there is no book you cannot write a book because every kid's different every situation is like it's it never ends so it's yeah you're doing then good I, then i added a uh, stepson into the mix and i was like Man, I thought parenting was challenging. <laughs> wow, well, that's the uh, yeah. It's I always had the highest respect for uh, step parents. Like, wow, that's huge. Step in and raise another person's child. Yeah, be good with it. And uh, and then I got into it. and I was like, whoo, man, there's a big monuments. <laughs> it's like it's it's 
there's challenge, you know, it's, it's, it really makes you realize how, how much of a natural connection there is to your kids and it, you understand uh, exactly why I didn't throw that one out the window. It's like, there really is a natural link there. It's like, you know, um, it really makes you step up and understand and, and see how we automatically just look at, you know, some people different and um, really made me, you know, step in and, you know, my wife uh, will put me in check. She's my accountability partner for everything. And she's, I say she's a coach like I am. So it's a, it's not fun uh, for either one of us to be in this relationship sometimes because we don't, we don't take excuses and victim mentality. It's like, yeah, it's like, nope. Are you being at cause right now? No, and I don't want to be. <laughs> yeah, so um, yeah, we've helped each other uh, through that. But luckily, the the you know the when we got together, we both took a year off from basically doing anything. We just focused on um, focusing on the kids and blending the families together. And uh, it uh, wasn't the smartest thing financially, <laughs> but uh, but in the long run, actually, it was because it's just. Um, to see where the three of them are at now with each other. Uh, I mean, there were, there were some rough patches. There were tears, there were angry words. There was all kinds of stuff. There was grudges being held. People were staking out tribes of their own and like, staking claims. And, um, but now like the, the three of them constantly, it's, uh, um, you know, my, uh, my oldest is 12 and, um, then it's nine and eight or the other two. So he's getting into, you know, things that they're not into so he has his uh independent time where he's hanging out with me but um but they still get together uh you know a couple of days a week they'll be just playing and chasing around you know the three of them all day get into something so it's mm. been uh it's been really beautiful watching all that uh come into uh come into existence so that's wonderful yeah it's uh <laughs> definitely got a thing i tell them all the time like wait until you're 30 to have kids or get married like come on you know, so, it's, I tell yeah my daughter is 19 and she's you know she keeps saying well you had us when you were 25 I said times are different mm. now there's no rush there is no rush you need to figure out your life first but so uh, I'm praying that she waits but we'll see <laughs> yeah uh, it's uh um we played uh uh, we played the Robert Kiyosaki or, you know, rich dad, poor dad game, um, cash flow. And they yes. have a kid's version, but they have an adult version. And the adult version is made, actually both of them are really good. But um, the, uh, the kids, after we, they felt they mastered the kid's version, they asked to play the adult version with us. And amazingly, they actually, um, they loved it way more than I ever expected. Like once we, they understood the rules, because it, it was complicating for us to figure out. Um, uh, I was like, wow, I guess we won't be teaching finances anytime soon. <laughs> but uh, finally, uh, it's, it is a great teaching point. gets you thinking different. Uh, but it's funny. There's, um, there's an option on the adult version to land on a space and you get a baby in your life. And your expenses go through the roof, right? <laughs> they cap it out at three. You're not allowed to get more than three. But uh, my 12-year-old started going, no, I don't want any of those things. And he would keep pointing. <laughs> He's like visualizing everywhere else. And every time we would get one, they're like, oh, and they all went from, you know, I don't want any of those things. So sometimes it's a joke. We're like, hey, those things, come here. <laughs> but, and, uh, he's like, man, I was saving up for a Lamborghini and I got one of those things. Uh -huh. like, so think about that, you know, exactly. forward when, you know, you're dating and all that. Just, just remember this moment. 
<laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, I say, it's like my greatest memories have you guys involved. So just, just think. You know? <laughs> so, but that very moment when you landed on that tile, because it's so much more than that. For, you know, it sure is. So I'm, I'm hoping Robert Kiyosaki through his board game is teaching my kids about you know, sex education and everything, or at least, you know, uh, the whole principle of waiting and, you know, all of that. I've, I've done the parenting teaching part, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I think it will. I think he'll remember that. <laughs> uh, so every time they're like, fam, can we play a game? Yeah, here, you want to play this? <laughs> exactly. Let's keep just let's play this once a month so it can yeah. keep selling in your yeah. mind. <laughs> oh my gosh. So really quick, tell us about your empowerment academy that is such a it's powerful so um so we do um we do coaching outside of that uh but what brooks empowerment academy is and actually we've been uh it's becoming more of the focus with everything going on with coronavirus and um you know everybody being so stressed out about that and um uh and everything with just the way the world's shifting and everybody's cooped up inside we um kept getting uh and we had been getting you know, more and more people reaching out to us um mostly like coaches and therapists and um uh counselors and things but now um with so many other people thinking about coming into the coaching space or whatever um the demand's gone up and what we do is you know we teach um because we're certified to to certify others in nlp um, neuro-linguistic programming um, anyone who has ever heard of Tony Robbins, everything he used to do or still does actually really is based out of um, what he learned in uh, training in NLP. Um, and it's just, it started, and NLP started out as, you know, being able to uh, model success and understand that if one person is successful, we all can be, we just need the recipe and we get it by modeling them. But then it's, they start discovering, oh, there's a different way of mindset. There's, you know, a different way to handle emotions. There's, you know, all these different things. And it just kept growing um, to where it was uh, learning you know, language and the difference in communication and all of this. Um, so we have a certification program where we're, uh, we certify anyone in that, but it just happens to be the group we have uh, right now is all coaches. Then there's a... Um, there are some techniques that were spawned out of um, NLP that went to a whole new level and um, treats things like phobia, PTSD, and um, you know, all these different traumas. Um, I've helped people release anaphylactic allergies simply through um, these mental and emotional release techniques. And um, um, so we have that course as well that we train um, coaches who just want to take it to another level and be able to eliminate. because everybody you know we we all have at some level there we have some self-sabotage you know the uh the person who's making thirty thousand dollars a year is only holding themselves back to that it's not that they want to make that it's just there's something holding them back from making thirty thousand a month you know they just it's not in their um uh in their vision for themselves that they can have it either they don't believe they're worthy of it or um you know, they just can't grasp the idea of even having that. Or some people are afraid to get it because of, oh man, you know, taxes go up or fake friends and you know, all that stuff. Um, and, uh, and even, you know, um, uh, high level investors and all this, it's like, they still have, we all have a lid 
that we've put on ourselves, some kind of limiting belief. Um, and just sadly, most of the population, that lid is set very tight and very low. You know, and um, uh, you, like people talk about um, different health issues and things like obesity. It's like, oh, everybody in my family is just this way. And it's like, oh, it's genetics. And it's like, well, it's not actually genetics how you think it is. It's a genetic way of thinking that you got from language like that of, oh, just everybody in my family has this issue. Um, you know, and, and that really came to my mind. I, I grew up with a friend of mine who was adopted in a family of five. And she had the exact same health issues as her adopted parents because she adored them. Still does to this day, you know, the way she looks at it, they saved her life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's no genetic makeup similar. She's not related at all. And that kind of stuck with me. So as a, like my vision issue and stuff were fixed, I started really looking at um, and understanding all of that. And, um, uh, and I don't know what all is possible with it, but the way I look at it, it's like, well, whatever's possible is what the person believes is possible. Cause after the, the, some of the things that I've seen and experienced, like, I really don't know if there's a limit. I have no idea. Um, and the most erudite scientists and doctors on the planet can't tell us what we're, po uh, what our potential really is. So it's like, if they don't know, I definitely don't know. So it's not on me to put limits on someone else. Yeah. And, um, you know, we, uh, so it's, it's all that it's being able to release the emotional baggage that's, uh, packed inside us that holds us you know in those fear type states or limiting uh beliefs but also the um the thought patterns that run because are you know they say what it's up to seventy thousand thoughts a day we think um now but all that's going on unconsciously if we were thinking it consciously we'd we'd go insane uh, or mind you know just think of that it's like we, we <laughs> can't yeah so our unconscious mind is um, handling 4 million bits of information per second. Our conscious mind, you know, which is the mind that you and I are using to have this conversation, um, things like that, to think about what we're having for dinner, what kind of car we want to buy, all of that. That's all conscious thought. That is only 126 bits. So there's 4 million bits going on at any given time, um, minus the 126 minuscule bits, that we have no idea. All right. So that's how you know you can send 100 people to a movie and they all have a different review of it a different mm -hmm. experience um and the reason for that is because you know the four million bits is basically the same for everybody what's there the 126 is what we have control over and that's what we focus on that's what we pick up on uh and manifest into our life so um i wasn't able to do this math but i was able to track down people who were because the math is not quite my strong suit that <laughs> if you take a bit of information and you know say uh, one drop of water is a bit one bit of information um that four million bits comes out to like 114 gallons of water so every single second 114 gallons of water that um 126 drops of water is just over a teaspoon like 1.14 teaspoons or something like that it was um uh, 1.6, something like that. But anyway, um, it's not much at all. So we have all this going on, this 4 million drops every single second, uh, these hundred and something gallons, but we can only see a teaspoon of it at a time. Mm. The beauty of it is, is we can reprogram what teaspoon we choose to get out of it. And if we don't like it, we can actually dump it out and get it again. 
it just takes, you know, understanding how the unconscious mind works and being able to go in and reprogram it. Um, and it actually happens really fast. Um, you know, there's a, uh, there's a quote, this is, you know, uh, two different quotes I absolutely love. And one is, um, results don't take time. They take courage. And, um, and then there's another one that says, you know, change happens in an instant. You know, people are like, oh, it takes, took me 10 years to you know, quit smoking or change my diet. And I said, well, no, Dan, it just took you 10 years to finally get sick of how you're doing it to finally step into that courage, that belief that you could and take ownership of it. And, and the beautiful thing is with like these techniques that we teach the coaches and things, um, it helps people get there in an instant. You know, they say, um, uh, it takes 21 days to install a new habit, 21 to 30 days. Well, that's with baggage in a way. <clears throat> if we actually release the baggage, change the belief, the habit can actually be installed almost instantly. Um, and it's very fascinating to see it um, and experience it. I, I geek out on it every time I work with a client on it. It's, uh, it's fantastic. Um, and like mentors of mine all the time, I'm like, you've got to take a break from all this and have some fun time. I'm like, I'm doing what I love. Like, I, this is fun. <laughs> like, and I'm like, get a different hobby. I'm like, I don't really know what that is anymore. <laughs> but, um, cause it, you know, it just fascinates me. And, uh, if I have any superpower in the world, it is, um, it's being able to see possibility in others that they can't always see in themselves and just hold on to that. Cause let's say no one saw possibility in me for a very long time. And, uh, and I didn't even see it in myself. And, you know, when Coach Calderon showed up, like I say, he planted a seed. Um, it took a while to grow fully, and it's still growing. Um, but at least now I'm aware of it and I nourish it. But uh, I heard Les Brown say, you know, one of my all-time favorite speakers, and he said, uh, sometimes you have to believe in someone else's belief in you until your belief shows up. And, uh, and that's exactly what uh, Coach Calderon did for me or gave me the opportunity to do. And, uh, and the beautiful thing with that was say he actually used the technique we teach in NLP, which is a pattern interrupt and then plant the seed. So even the fact I didn't believe in his belief in me because he had a technique, I didn't need to. And he was still able to get the information in. And, um, uh, and that's, yeah, actually pattern interrupts are, are so powerful. It's um, uh, one of the main techniques that I teach to anyone I work with, even just one-on-one -on -one coaching clients. Cause I, I'm, my goal with any client is to coach myself out of a job. I'm like, I don't want you have it needing me for six months or a year or any of that. It's like, I want you to be able to move on and never need me again. Otherwise I, we haven't done my job here, you know? And, um, uh, so I, I teach them even, you know, all the techniques, uh, that they can do on themselves. So it's, um, Amazing. cause I want everybody to have this. So I teach it, you know, my kids, their friends, when they have sleepovers, we're doing board breaks. We do miniature seminars. It's like, <laughs> we get down. Uh, so I don't always let parents know until after it's over. Sometimes it do. It depends on the parent, but some of them freak out because um, my kids want to walk on fire, you know, do the fire walks and I've done one, but I was like, man, we will when you get there. But right now we do what we call a fire stomp and I'll just light some leaves on fire on a concrete pad and they just like stomp it out and they think it's awesome. But uh <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, we we're a different kind of house here. Our neighbors probably think we're quacks. <laughs> it's just everybody parents differently. Nobody, I mean, we shouldn't be judged. <laughs> Our kids yeah. are going to turn out just fine. <laughs> yeah, I tell all my clients and students, it's like, hey, anything that we, uh, any task we give you, any exercise, any technique I run you through, 
I've tried it on myself first, then my wife, and then our kids. And then we wait a couple of weeks, and if nobody starts having any little twitches or anything, we're good to go. And then we take it out in the world. So, so don't worry. Yeah. It's like we're all the guinea pigs here. And then uh, it's like if something goes wrong, I've got them right here. I can watch them, and then I can figure out how to fix it. So don't worry. Try the true method. <laughs> so, yeah. That's funny. <laughs> so where can people find you? Um, so, uh, of course, I'm on you know, all the social media outlets. Uh, we have brooksempowermentacademy.com. Um, which we're actually going through right now, re, uh, revamping that and kind of dressing it up, but it's still there, still active. And, and then um, I'm on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook, and all of those can be found, you know, uh, backslash uh, Kip, Brooks, Kip Brooks Coaching. Um, yeah, reach out to me, any questions anybody has, uh, anything. I say I love this stuff, and uh, always open to share as much as I can and, you know, answer any questions I can. And if I don't have it, I can direct you where to go. Um, and whether someone chooses to work with me or not, it's, um, or I even choose to work with them. It's like, I, I keep a very good network too of, uh, uh, of people with similar techniques who are, you know, very good and, and integrity. Um, and also I, uh, I wanted to offer, we have a course that we use charge for, but in, the times now, uh, and also as a gratitude gift to you for having me on, wanted to uh, gift it. It's a 30 day program of uh, 30 days to empowered positive thinking. I'll email you um, whenever we get off this. Uh, my wife was creating the link for it, actually. Uh, she's probably done with it now. But um, uh, yeah, I'll email it to you as soon as we get off. So you can okay. send that out to you know, all your listeners. Um, uh, yeah, it's it really helps. It helps with having better communication with ourselves and like I said, you know, more of a positive outlook on the world and ourselves, but also it helps with being able to communicate with others. And, um, it's, it's awesome. We've gotten a lot of really great feedback from it. Um, and That's it's, wonderful. uh, it's based of, off of, um, some of the stuff that like we've run ourselves through it again, we tested on us first, <laughs> but it was, uh, it's something that wasn't really taught publicly without like going all the way through like NLP and all this stuff. And it's like, it's so simple, but the teachings are beautiful. So, so let's take that part out of it and offer it out to everybody. And um, uh, yeah, it's fantastic. So I'll, uh, yeah, I'll get you that email um, this afternoon. Thank you. That's wonderful. Well, gosh, Kip, I um again, I'm so honored to have you on here. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you for Absolutely. reaching out. And I'm so gosh, I'm I'm grateful to our higher power to for keeping you here. It's <laughs> it's uh, this is your calling. I can see it. I can see your passion. If you guys, I know you guys can't see his face, but it it just brightens up every time he speaks about it. So. I can tell that this is what he loves to do. So thank you so much for doing what you do. Oh, absolutely. Thank you for having me. You know, uh, my mom always told me I had a face for uh, radio and now it's podcast. <laughs> but uh, Yeah. Thank you so much. And thank you for what, uh, what you're doing with uh, yeah, your mission and the podcast and everything else. It's, it's beautiful. Um, uh, I'd love to see how many people are creating ripples in this, uh, in this water that you know, so many people used to ignore. Um, yes. Yeah. It's uh, it's awesome. I can't wait for the shift that's uh, coming. So, um, yes. <laughs> but, yeah, thank you, thank you so, so much. much. <laughs> I'll talk to you soon. All right. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Truths We Hide podcast, created by A Wild Ride Called Life. 
To find out more about our mission, visit www.awildridecalledlife.com.